Welcome back to the pod, guys. Another episode for you this week. And uh, this week we're going to be talking, uh, well, we're going to be talking about guns, all right, because uh, I like to. But because uh, it seems like you're seeing a lot more mention, not necessarily in the mainstream news, but just in other news outlets about uh, record number of gun sales, I have had uh, more more friends, family contact me about buying their first firearm, uh, about what to do with buying their first firearm choices, uh, you know, the what's, the why's, the where's, all the details that... Uh, most people look at when trying to make an informed decision behind uh, a firearm purchase, because let's be honest, there's a lot to it. I mean, some people may may not think so, but uh, when you look at making the investment, and I, and I, and I think it's an investment, I really do, uh, because a quality firearm costs money, like several hundred dollars, uh, thousands of dollars, depending on what you're <laughs> looking at buying. Uh, so uh, I, what I'm going to do first Actually, screw it. We're just going to, you know what? I'm going to start with my purchases. I'm going to walk through everything that I've bought, and I'm going to kind of take you guys uh, through the what and the why. Uh, I'm going to start, and I'll just do it chronologically. Um, When I, let me think about this for a second. When I first got the itch to buy a gun, uh, it was when I I moved out, right, with my brother, and I think I'd mentioned this before. (laughs) He had bought a Glock 43. And like, you know, guns are always one of those things. Like, I feel like not always guys, obviously, but mostly guys. You, know, you see it and you're like, oh, okay, there's some kind of attraction there for the most part. So um, he pulls this thing out um, out of a case in his, in his bedroom and goes, hey, you know, we're living together now. So I bought this. I, I feel like you and, uh, you know, at the time my girlfriend, now my wife, you guys should know it's here. So, you know, I hold it. I'm like, well, it's a little bit smaller than what I thought it would be. And, uh, he kind of explained, well, it's a it's a compact model, so eventually I can get my CPL and also be able to use it for home defense and stuff. And I go, huh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I kind of immediately decided I wanted one too. <laughs> so uh, I think it was like that weekend because, I mean, it, we I didn't even know where to go to buy a gun um, short of like a sporting goods store, but I didn't – I guess I felt kind of apprehensive about it because I didn't know I didn't want to just go asking a bunch of questions and get sold something that I didn't really want, right? Uh, I knew I wanted what he had, so I went where he went, um, which there was a flea market uh, that's no longer open. Um, went back there, walk in, he introduces me to the guy who's he's on a first-name basis with at this point. goes, you know, this is my brother. He wants to buy his first firearm. Uh, you know, he really liked what I had. So I started talking to the guy and, um, it turns out he didn't have any more Glock 43s, unfortunately. Um, so rather than waiting a week, cause he told me he could have one in a week and you know, this flea market's only open on the weekends. So it would be a week. Um, and of course, <laughs> like, a you know, mid twenties guy, I, I mean, I wanted it now, right? I had to do it. So I, uh, I checked out the, Smith & Wesson M&P Shield in 9mm, which uh, if, in, if you've done any kind of Google searching on most lists right now, if you look at like top guns for concealed carry or best 9mm, you know, compact carry pistols, the Glock 43 and the Shield were pretty much top of market for like a long time. And to a lot of people, they're still pretty much as good as it gets. Um, 
it's only in the last year or two uh, with the development of guns with a little bit higher capacity that those two are starting to kind of fall uh, down the list. Um, but Smith & Wesson's a great brand. Uh, the M&P series is a awesome series uh, of firearms uh, that are reliable and they're they just they meet the standard, you know. Um, it's a good choice, right? So I, I was checking this thing out, and it really wasn't what I wanted, but I, I wanted one at the time. Um, we had some friends that owned a couple, uh, one in nine and one in forty, and I go, okay, well, you know, I like I like Smith and Wesson. Yeah, I can get, I can get behind this, so I I, I purchased the the shield, and um, it, it it's a good gun. I still own it. Um, you know, uh, nine millimeter came with a seven round and an eight round magazine. So with one in the chamber, that's seven plus one and eight plus one, um, kind of figured out that I didn't really care for how slim it was, uh, or the capacity. So, um, kind of immediately looked at, uh, magazine extensions from a company called Hive, H-Y-V-E, Hive Technologies. Uh, and that was able to help expand my capacity, uh, on that gun, to honestly, it was uh, I took the seven rounder and turned it into a eight rounder, I think eight or nine round. Uh, same thing with the eight rounds. So I, I kind of beefed up my capacity a little bit there. Um, that was the first gun I ever bought, uh, and then I kind of screwed around a little bit with uh, figuring out what kind of holster I wanted. I tried doing the outside the waistband thing, uh, you know, on my belt loops, just wearing long shirts and stuff, and. Um, both my brother and I messed around with that for a while. And eventually I just, I, I talked to uh, a sales guy when my wife was buying her first gun, um, about inside the waistband. I go, Oh yeah, it just looks really uncomfortable. He's like, honestly, man, you try it. It's really, uh, it's really actually pretty comfortable. You just got to let your belt out a little bit, make a little extra room. Um, but, uh, I want to, that was, you know, I ended up with a, in the waistband, uh, Kydex holster. And that's something, honestly, guys, if you, if you're really truly looking at a holster for in the waistband carry, cause it is the most concealable way to carry, whether it's appendix, um, which is like across the front of your body in front of your junk, so to speak. Um, or whether you're going to carry it at three o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, whatever in the waistband is the way to go. And you really should be looking at a Kydex holster over something like traditional leather. Uh, Jake, my, my friend Jake, who was on uh, a couple weeks back talking about hunting and whatnot, he carries a Kimber uh, Micro 9 with a uh, hybrid holster, which is like a flat panel of leather with a Kydex mold of the firearm that retains it, that's pressed into it. Problem with leather is that leather holds moisture. Moisture on metal, in most instances, means rust. So now he's dealing, uh, he's dealing with that. He's dealing with... Uh, not only repairing, but, you know, cosmetically dealing with, uh, some rust on a slot and a Kimber's a nice gun. Kimber's an expensive gun. Um, so you want it to last, you want it to, you know, you want to take care of it and everything. And it's one of those things, uh, holster choice aside from the practicality of it, something that's obviously going to be safe to use and have good retention, um, also does to a degree protect the firearm. And I can't say enough good things about Kydex. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're looking for a couple of good brands, uh, I can stand by my personal experiences with multi holster, which is a company that is based out of, I believe it's Redford. Now they just moved buildings a couple of months back. I saw online, uh, they're from Redford That's a Michigan based company. So if you're here in the mitten, uh, support local, uh, you can, I also have good experiences 
with uh, T-Rex arms. All right. Uh, one of their Raptors is what I currently carry my, my Glock in and uh, more on the Glock in a couple of minutes here. Um, but that's a great, uh, well-made uh, in the waistband holster as well. So, you know, moving, moving down the line, um, it only been a couple more months. And then, uh, again, my brother comes home, he went out and he got a, uh, a Stevens 320 security model. Um, and that's a shotgun, right? A 12 gauge shotgun security model just means it's got a fixed stock with a pistol grip on it and a shorter barrel. Uh, I want to say it's like a 16 or 18 inch barrel. Um, for those of you that say that sounds pretty long, keep in mind that your traditional hunting shotguns are closer to like 22, 24, 26 inch barrels um, because your bar- you have barrel length restrictions and things like that, all the same rules that apply to your ARs. Um, so an 18 inch barrel actually is pretty short uh, for a shotgun, especially when you start to look at things like uh, your ballistics, right? How your buckshot spreads uh, and how you start to lose uh, concentration and accuracy over any kind of extended distance, the shorter the barrel is. That's why when you see people shooting skeet, shooting ducks, uh, turkey hunting, whatnot, they use longer barrels um, for improved ballistics and improved accuracy. So he came home with this, uh, the Stevens 320 and I go, oh, well, you know, what's, what's the deal with that? And uh, he said, well, you know, home defense, man. I'm like, well, you got the Glock. What made you go out and buy a, a shotgun? You know, at this point, we weren't really like that into it. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it's hey, it's, here's another gun. It's pretty cool. Um, so he said, yeah, you know, home defense, and um, I want something a little bit larger, right? I figured this might be a little bit easier to shoot. I think that was the conversation. It was a couple of years ago, but um, so then, of course, I, I decided, hey, I want one too. Um, but I wound up going to looking online. I decided I didn't want to do everything, obviously the same as, as him. Um, and I wound up going to, uh, Gander mountain when there was still one of those around. Uh, and I wound up picking an H and getting an, uh, as an H and R partner pump. Uh, so it's a pump action, 12 gauge, normal, uh, furniture on it. Just like a normal think hunting shotgun with an 18 inch barrel. All right. It's a brass bead on it to aim with nothing fancy. You know, his, his Stevens had like uh, ghost ring sights on it and everything. It was really actually, for the money, a pretty pretty good package deal there he wound up getting. Um, so mine was basically like budget line. I think it cost me like 200 bucks for a pump action 12 gauge. <laughs> Took the plug out of it, so it held five rounds plus one in the chamber. Um, thinking, hey, this makes more sense for home defense, right? You see in the movies all the time, people got shotguns, uh, they got handguns, then they defend their home and stuff. So this makes a, this, this is a perfectly good decision, right? Um, and I actually, I remember that day vividly because it took them forever to process the paperwork. I was like an hour late to meet, uh, my girlfriend again, now wife, uh, at her apartment for dinner. And for whatever reason, I lied about it. Like we weren't even married and money wasn't like a thing between us at the time. So I, I remember cause I lied about it and I don't even remember why. Um, and ironically I bought this gun for, for home defense and whatever. And because ammo is plentiful and cheap and the gun itself was, was cheap. Um, I've never actually shot <laughs> my home defense shotgun. I need to, but I, I never have. Um, you know, and, and the partner pump is actually just, it's a clone of the Remington 870. Uh, the 870 being, uh, it's one of those just iconic guns through the last like 50, 60, whatever years in America, you got a handful of like sporting rifles that have been really, really popular. You got your Remington 700. It's a bolt action rifle. It's been used for 
everything from target shooting to tactical hunt, you know, hunting military has used it. Uh, you get your Remington 870, you got your Mossberg 500, uh, and your 1911. And those are like America's guns really. Um, so this was a, I want to say it was probably a Chinese, it was a foreign made, foreign made shotgun. So it's so cheap because a real 870 is like 500, 600 bucks or more, depending on what you get with it. But at this point, you know, I, I had just moved out. So, uh, budget was, uh, it, it, it was a consideration. It was probably the largest consideration, honestly, at that point, uh, in my life when I bought that. So, uh, that was my second purchase and I didn't know what to look into for shotguns. Um, it turns out that's actually pretty a decent purchase because 870 parts, which pretty much all of them are compatible with the shotgun. Um, 870 parts, given how popular the 870 is, are easy to come by. So a little bit later on down the line, when I decided I wanted to throw like a pistol, uh, pistol grip and an, uh, adjustable stock on it and a different, uh, pump grip, uh, I was able to go pick something up at like the local sporting goods store and it, it was uh, ha, it was a pain in the butt to do the work because as for my first time mess with anything even remotely gunsmith related, but you could find it. It wasn't super expensive um, and it was on the shelf. I didn't have to order it uh, or anything goofy like that. Um, so when you're looking for, for stuff like this, you can go a little bit cheaper. You can go with stuff that is not necessarily the most name brand um, if you can find out if it's, you know, Hey, it's a clone of one of these other guns. And then you can do some research on those and try and find out where the overlap is to see if there's, uh, a lot of aftermarket support, I guess. Um, when you start looking into things like replacement sites, like, uh, you know, furniture on a rifle, you know, stock, whatever, uh, scope rings, mounts, whatever. If there's overlap there, it's going to be a lot easier and easier usually means cheaper, okay, to find some of this stuff. Um, so that ended up actually being a pretty smart purchase on my part. Uh, again, I've never fired it, um, but I have since ended up putting a, uh, a Picatinny rail, uh, which I picked up, I think, at like the a Walmart by the, uh, uh, the old, my old job. I was right next to a Walmart, so I went and... Uh, one day just browsing around, found one that, Hey, Remington 870 compatible. Perfect. Threw a rail on there and then threw like a cheapo, not really cheap. It's a, a Bushnell red dot. Good for shotguns and stuff. Not the nicest tactical thing on the market. Um, it was like my first red dot purchase. Um, and that's actually, I'm looking at it right now. Hey, that's how it, it sits. It's got a uh, modified end on it. Um, the original stock went back on. I think I put a mount on it too, for a, uh, a sling for a, I'm sorry sling loop for like an HK clip. So I, I run it with a, uh, single point sling rather than having to run one of those big old bulky, uh, hunter type slings that runs from tip to butt. No pun intended. So that was the second gun I ever bought. And then, um, at this time, I mean, I bought a couple in, in pretty rapid succession. It was pretty close to the holidays. I remember, um, cause my, my girlfriend picked me up from work and we went to the sporting goods store right by that job at the time. Um, cause they had a sale on and it was after work before our family dinner. So I was like in a rush. Um, it was the M and P first gen, um, like four and a quarter inch. So not the long slide, uh, four and a quarter inch, uh, gen one and nine millimeter. 
Um, and I wound up getting it for like 500 bucks or something or 470. It ended up even being the display model. So they might've knocked like 5% off or something for that. Um, but I had bought that one cause I wanted a full size gun, something that, uh, would be a little bit easier to shoot. And at the time I remember watching, it, it'd probably been, I don't know, at least, um, maybe like a half dozen to, no, it had been more than that. Maybe like 20 times, honestly, a video on YouTube of Chris Costa talking about his custom series M&P Gen 1. Um, it turns out had like the slide milling and everything was done uh, by a company here in Michigan called ATEI. ATEI. Uh, and they did that whole run of them. I forget how many he had made. It was like a, a very small run. Um, I think they had... Uh, a custom uh, sights put on them and stuff and stipple work and everything. So I remember seeing this gun and going, man, that is badass. And at the time I was like trying to embrace this whole M&P thing because I didn't get the Glock 43 I wanted. So I was like, yeah, this looks better than a Glock anyways. I want this. This is going to be awesome, right? So that was the third gun I picked up. And again, it was a 9mm. Um, so that way both my guns could shoot nine mil. And at this time, you know, I'm watching all these videos. I'm, I'm reading, trying to absorb as much information as possible. Right. Uh, I, I wanted to know the what's and the why's and everything. And, um, nine millimeter is cheap. Nine millimeter, ballistically speaking, had good, uh, knockdown power. It's good for follow-up shots. Uh, and that, and that rings true. Obviously still hasn't changed. Uh, so when people ask me, I had, you know, friends talk to me, Hey, I just got my CPL. It was like the beginning of this week, or maybe it was the end of last week. A friend reached out about it and he's, you know, talking about, Hey, maybe I'll get a revolver. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a, with a, a revolver, with a wheel gun, you know? Um, but the things that I think people should consider because people like revolvers cause they're simple, right? Uh, they're simple. They won't jam. Uh, but what I'll say is while, you know, most of these are chambered in 38 special or 357. Yeah. You got a lot of power there, which is really going to, you know, F some guy's day up if he gets shot with this thing. Right. Um, however, that does make it a lot more difficult for you to shoot. Okay. Like them boys hurt after you squeeze off five rounds. Okay. Um, so one, it's not comfortable to shoot. If it's not comfortable to shoot and you're a new shooter, it's going to give you a bad experience. Like mentally, you're just not going to enjoy it and you're not going to want to do it. And you're not going to practice as much as you probably should, given the amount of responsibility that comes with owning, let alone carrying a firearm. Okay. The other thing that I always talk about is capacity. Revolvers hold at most six shots, at least anything you're going to be carrying with you. Um, now I know some on the market, I think, uh, it's either Smith and Wesson or maybe Remington had one that was like an eight round. Those things are huge and they're heavy as shit. You're probably not going to fucking carry one. Let's be honest, but five or six rounds. Okay. Compared to even my shield, right? Even, uh, or even for sake of argument, the Glock 43 factory, right? Comes with a six round mag plus one in the chamber. You throw on a magazine extension. Now you're at eight rounds plus one. That's nine. And it's going to be easier to get that second, third, fourth follow-up shot because there's way less recoil. Okay. And like I said, those things, you know, revolvers are heavy. They're all steel guns. 
right? Versus your half polymer guns are a little bit lighter. It's going to be more comfortable for you to carry. Okay. And that's kind of a consideration, um, not to get too far away from the topic here is that, uh, the more comfortable it is for you to carry every day, the more likely you are to carry every day. And that's what you want, right? You want to carry every day, wherever you go within the law and within reason, uh, to make sure you and those around you are protected as much as possible, right? That's why we're doing this, why we're talking about this. Okay, so nine millimeters is what I always recommend. Plus, if you look at other calibers like 40-45, the ballistics today with modern rounds and the amount of research, the amount of science and data that goes into all this, and there's so many companies trying to develop new and different uh, rounds, uh, or versions, I should say, of the nine millimeter round, uh, performance is it's comparable. You know, when you take up the amount of surface area, um, from seven forty-five rounds, seven forty-five caliber rounds. Okay. Versus the amount of surface area of, um, 10 or 12, whatever, uh, nine millimeter. It's actually more. Okay. The, the combined hole would be more with the nine millimeter than it would be with the 45. And the same, you know, I think it's, if you're buying an M&P shield, cause it comes in all three calibers, just for comparison. Um, I think it's seven rounds and an eight round that you get in nine millimeter in 40 and 40 caliber. So 40 Smith and Wesson, it is, I want to say it's six and seven. And then, um, with 45 ACP, it's five rounds and six rounds. So the larger the caliber, the lower the capacity. Uh, so for me, I would rather have more shots, uh, more rounds on target uh, that takes away the stress of marksmanship, so to speak. Uh, judicious marksmanship is always uh, a key component, um, but misses happen, right? You know, um, so more rounds is better in my mind. So I picked up this, this Gen 1 M&P, um, and I was like all about it. I went out and got like a cheap light to throw on it. Not too long after that, um, quickly discovered that was a mistake. Uh, the cheap part, not the light part. Um, and that was probably, that was it for a little while, honestly, probably a good like year or two. I don't think I bought any other firearms. I just worked on like upgrades. So, uh, I guess, um, I think like a Valentine's gift or something I got from, uh, from Lexi was a set of sights. I got blacked out rears and, uh, a green fiber optic front sight that got put on. And that of course I took to a gunsmith because I had no idea how to do this and was deathly afraid of screwing up. Now, of course I feel stupid because I paid $50 to have, you know, a pair of $50 sights put on. Um, so that felt pretty dumb honestly. Um, and then I upgrade, I just, uh, I, I took it shooting, right. Um, discovered, I really enjoyed shooting the full size gun versus the small size gun, the, the shield, right. And the big M and P was more enjoyable for me to shoot than the compact shield. And this is what I also mention to people when they tell me they just want to buy a gun for home defense and they have no, uh, desire, no plan, uh, of carrying it is it's, the same explosion all being contained in a smaller package. And I equate it to a car, right? If you take that huge V8 motor that's in that Ram pickup and you drop it into a Volkswagen Beetle, okay, you know, all the mechanics lingo aside and everything, that's way more power and a way smaller chassis. It's way harder to control that thing and keep it on the road because it's got too much power, right? It's a very easy 
concept for normal people to grasp. And when they start thinking about it that way, it's like, oh, light bulb, okay? Because it's a smaller frame, smaller barrel, all right? It, and you have less surface area to hold on to. So, um, you know, shooting this M&P a lot and getting better, getting a little bit better, getting a little bit better and discovered I just hated uh, the trigger. And, you know, obviously I wasn't the only one because that was one of the big things they fixed when they rolled out the Gen 2s. Um, but I, for me, it was more the trigger shape. Um, they had a hinge trigger. So there's a hinge halfway through the trigger on the M&P series. Uh, and that was kind of the safety that they had built in. By the way, I didn't get either version of thumb safety. Disclaimer for any of you guys that are thinking about it or asking about it right now uh, to yourselves while you're listening to me ramble is, uh, you know, the M&P series comes with both the shield and the full size come with an optional thumb safety. I don't care with the thumb safety for me. It's just one more thing to get in, to get in the way. Um, one more thing to add into your manual of arms. Uh, I practice proper trigger discipline. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary. Some people like it. My dad has a gen one M and P he absolutely had to have the thumb safety. And if that's what he's comfortable with, Hey man, cool. Like you do you. Um, but that's just my personal, personal preference. Um, so I discovered I hated the way this trigger felt. And I went, I got, uh, just the trigger shoe itself, just like the physical trigger, not all the mechanic stuff on the inside, um, from apex tactical. I think it's apex tactical. It's apex. I know that. Um, and again, went back to the same gunsmith another 50 bucks, had them drop that, that trigger in there. And that actually helped the feel for me, uh, tremendously. Um, the trigger was still a bit mushy and stuff, uh, but I I liked it a lot more. Um, and shortly after this, my brother wound up picking up his Glock 19 and had the, the ghost trigger kit put in that thing to lighten the hell out of it. And I was like, man, that's I want to do stuff to my trigger. So um, at this point... Um, this is, you know, there's months in between all these little upgrades, but, uh, we, we found a local gun shop around the corner from us, uh, which unfortunately has since closed, but they were really great people and they, Hey, whatever you need, you order it through us. We will install it here for free or we'll help you install it here. Um, and guys, if you're listening, like support local, you know, there's a lot of great shops out there. I know there's a couple more that aren't as close to me that will do the same kind of thing. Cause you don't have questions like, or if you have questions and you don't know, um, you don't know what you're doing, they'll, they're there to help you. Uh, I know you gotta be careful cause a lot of times they're just trying to sell you on something. Um, but there are those good businesses around and this place is one of the good ones. Uh, they helped, I bought a, an apex sear from, uh, from them and had them install it. And so I think that was the last trigger upgrade I did on the M and P, but that helped a ton. Um, and then shortly thereafter I had an apex barrel put in it. Um, it had it cut, had to be custom fit. Um, that was a problem with the gen one M and P's something that Sam and I have talked about honestly with any firearm purchase. If it's a new model, um, give it a year before you go run out and buy one. You think to yourself, you gotta have it. Just wait and see before you buy it. Um, the M and P's had an issue with, uh, the lockup with the barrel and their slide, nothing dangerous. It just, the accuracy was not as good as it should have been. So having aftermarket barrel, um, was pretty paramount for me. And I really started to see noticeable improvements shooting with that gun. Um, a, cause I had been practicing more, but B because the barrel lockup was just tighter and better. Um, but that's why you wait, do your research. Okay. You know, Sam waited uh, to buy his, he carries a SIG P365. Okay. A lot of people carry that gun right now, but, uh, SIG had, and it's not a secret, 
Um, and it's not even necessarily a dig on, and I guess it is a little bit, but SIG rushed the P320 and the P365 to market in time for, I want to say it was like the 2018 or 2019 model year. They wanted to have it out by SHOT Show in January. And as a result, uh, the 365 had a lot of issues with uh, firing pins snapping, which is huge. You don't want to be in a self-defense situation and have your firing pin or striker, I'm sorry, uh, break, in which case that renders the weapon inoperable because your striker can't fire. Um, the P320s, uh, you know, that's a big herald of the striker fired guns was, uh, you know, Glocks and stuff. You can drop them and they won't go off. They're safer than revolvers. They're safer than shotguns. They won't go off and they're dropped. Well, the P320 went off when it was dropped. Um, and a couple of noticeable instances, uh, you know, law enforcement agency testing and stuff. And, and SIG, they handled their business. They replaced all of them without uh, problems. And you see a lot of them now still hitting the secondary market that are warrantied guns that have since been repaired by SIG. So you can give them a little bit of a discount. Still great firearms, great company. I would still buy one um, now that they have it sorted out. But again, that's why we, like we always stress here, do your research. Do the research, okay? Um, and if you don't know where to look, keep looking. Uh, Facebook groups are a great resource. Um, you might get some flack and some grief from people, uh, but if you just join some of these uh, you know, EDC groups or like Glock Nation or Glock Owners Group, whatever, there are good people in those groups that are willing to offer their, their knowledge and expertise if you just go out and ask and just take the razzing and then and move on with it. Um, it's the internet, right? What do you, what do you expect? Um, and I think, um, you know, that, that, that M and P is, uh, it's actually, it's a pretty nice gun. Honestly, now I've got probably close to 2000 rounds through it. And, um, I, I had no problems with it, no failures, no serious issues or anything like that. I, I like it. I enjoy shooting it. Um, I want to say, yeah, probably a year or two, honestly, I was doing these, these little upgrades until, um, I finally had, I think it was before I even did some of the trigger work, honestly, I went out and it was right around the time of the Orlando nightclub shooting. Um, I had switched offices, uh, for the company I was working with at the time. And I remember this shooting happened and I go, you know, Obama was still in office. And I remember calling, uh, Trevor on my lunch break going, you know, Oh shit, dude. Like we had, at this point we had been talking about buying an AR 15 for a while. Each of us, we wanted one. They were a little more money than we were looking to spend at the time. We were still you know, kind of living on our own and everything. It was a little bit of a, of an investment at the time. Um, you know, so we'd been talking about it. We hadn't really done it. And then this, this nightclub shooting happens. And then just as happens with every uh, tragic shooting, uh, the politicians jump in and immediately are blaming the guns and talking about, we need to ban firearms. We need to ban AR-15. So, you know, oh shit. So one day after work, him and I went to uh, the local field and stream, which is actually not a field and stream anymore because the wonderful people at Dick's Sporting Goods decided they didn't want to sell firearms at all anymore because firearms are evil and they own field and stream. So our local field and stream got sold because they stopped doing pretty much any business there after they stopped uh, selling anything other than hunting shotguns. And uh, they sold the store. Now it's a uh, sportsman's warehouse where I will gladly be a patron because they support the Second Amendment. I digress. So we walked, we go to the local field and stream and we knew one of the salespeople there and um, just stopped and talked to him. He was a, a husband of one of our former co-workers and stuff. And uh, he let us know, he said, yeah, man, we've been crazy busy selling AR-15s. We originally, he, uh, Trevor and I went in looking for the 
the Ruger uh, 5.56, whatever, their AR-15 model, right? Their budget line AR-15 and uh, because it was on sale and they were out. And I was like, you know, we asked him like, you know, hey, John, how's it going? You guys have any more of these in stock? We're, we're ready to pull a trigger. No pun intended. Uh, we're ready to do this. You know, we want to we wanna buy a couple ARs. And he goes, nope, we're out. I'm like, ah, shit. I knew this would happen. I knew he'd waited too long, whatever. And he goes, well, but we have the Smith & Wesson M&P 15s, the Sport 2, uh, which are just as good. We decided, you know, the company decided, given how much volume they were doing, um, they were going to put those on for the same sale price. And I go, okay, well, hell, I, you know, I own two M&Ps already. Why not a third? Um, and we decided to buy those. And, you know, while we were there, there was I saw, uh, a guy there with his uh, two small kids in a shopping cart and he had um, three AR-15s in his cart he was buying. That's how real the fear is. People that, people that think that the, the panic buying doesn't happen um, other than the pandemic, it definitely happens anytime it's close to an election year or something like this happens. People go out and buy those guns because then when you can't get them like you can't right now, the, the $450 or $500 you spent on that gun, you can sell each of those for another two or 300 bucks than what you paid for it. And that, that's really not bad money. <laughs> um, but we decided we'd go pick up a couple AR-15s. And that was like, that was where things really went off the rails. We really started getting into stuff because then there's accessories and um, the furniture. Like it just, you you start getting into this, uh, you go down the rabbit hole, I guess, really. Uh, you start doing more research. You start learning about dry fire, you know. So uh, that was really where things kicked off and got real, um, I got very, very serious and passionate about, about this. Um, so we picked up our M and P, uh, you know, AR style rifles and for any of you guys thinking or talking or whatever about this, uh, with your friends or your, your spouse, whatever, um, it's not an assault rifle. AR stands for Armalite rifle. Armalite is actually the company that designed that platform, uh, which is now used by hundreds of companies the world over to produce this style of rifle. Um, 15 AR 15 is just the model number on the patent. It's nothing more. Uh, it doesn't mean it's a machine gun. It's they're semi-automatic chambered in five, five, six or two, two, three. It's nothing crazy. Um, but then at that point, um, started looking at things like optics, uh, and, you know, a a handguard or a rail to start mounting things on, learning how to change out stocks and everything. And, you know, the only thing I'm going to say about ARs, because we could spend a whole episode, and we probably will, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, we probably will spend a whole episode talking about ARs and AR accessories. Um, you don't need all of the stupid, fancy, goofy shit to make an AR a good gun. Um, if you're going to buy an AR-15, here's the things that I would buy for it in this order. First, a sling. You have to be able to carry this thing and manage it. Um, the second, right after that, would be find some way to mount a white light to it. Um, most of these now, they come with a fixed front sight, right? The little triangle A-frame sight um, and a flip-up rear sight. Is it great? Nope, but it'll work. Um, so then if you have to get one of the cheapo drop-in quad rails or something off eBay, it's called a carbine length quad rail. That was one of the first ones we picked up. I think Trevor got a Magpul one for like 25 bucks online drops right in. Um, 
you can get the the quad rails on eBay or whatever. You can get the Chinese made ones for like 20 bucks. If you want to spend a little bit more money, you can upgrade past that. But if you're doing this on a budget and you really don't know, it'll do um, in a pinch. And you can mount a flashlight to it. There's a lot of solutions to that. Just look on the internet. But um, a sling, then a white light. Then at that point, you can start looking into things like optics, like a good quality red dot, um, vertical foregrips or angled foregrips or whatever you want to do, changing out your pistol grip, changing out your stock. Um, but what most of these come with is pretty acceptable in a pinch, uh, especially like right now where we cannot find these accessories because everyone ran out and bought them and uh, you know supply chain and fulfillment problems are kind of holding everything up. Um, if you are looking for a good budget red dot, um, I would recommend steering away from anything that's under like 80 to a hundred dollars. You're just not going to get something quality for less than that. Um, primary arms makes a, a pretty good red dot. That's, uh, I believe that's manufactured in the Holosun factories. Holosun makes good red dots for around the 100 to 150 price range, even more if you want to get some of the fancier ones with solar cells and shake awake functions and stuff like that. Um, I have one of the Vortex Crossfire 2 red dots, not the scope, but the red dot um, on my 11.5 inch, and that thing's been great. Um, and again, look these up on like YouTube, look them up online for reviews of these products before you go out and buy them. Um, there's lots of testing that goes into these because there's so many, every company wants to have somebody online reviewing them. Right. I think the crossfire two, I saw dropped off like a three-story building and frozen in a block of ice. And at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to buy one. It was 150 bucks. The local Cabela's here went and picked it up. Love it. Haven't had any problems with it. Um, it's coming up on probably coming up on three years. Uh, so good, sturdy, reliable optic, no issues with it. Holds zero just fine. Um, I know SIG has their, uh, line of red dots, now the Romeo series. Uh, those are worth looking into as well. I don't know too much about Crimson Trace. I know Smith and Wesson bought them out a couple of years back and now they're starting to make flashlights and lasers and stuff, um, and, and red dots, but I don't personally I never, I haven't looked into them just because, uh, I've kind of just hung out with Vortex since their warranty is so great. Um, you know, basically it's a no questions ask lifetime warranty that's transferable between owners, um, with no paperwork. So if you have a used Vortex optic you got from a buddy and it dies on you for whatever reason, they'll replace it without any questions asked. You don't have to have the box, you don't have to have the receipt. So again, if you're doing this stuff on a budget, um, while Vortex may, initially be a little bit more money than that, you know, Bushnell that you can find for 75 bucks online somewhere, um, or whatever site mark, whatever cheapo Japanese brand or Chinese brand you can find online. Um, it's got a lifetime warranty and they're good products with great customer service. So something to consider. Um, but getting back to the original point here, uh, you know, that was my, my AR 15. Uh, and I had that for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. And I was, you know, fiddling around with that. And over time I had the gas block replaced and put like one of the slim, uh, free float rails on it. That's basically that, that triangular front sight That's so iconic with M 16s and AR 15s and stuff that was removed for basically not a fixed site and a rail that went down the length of the barrel. Um, the, again, the local gun shop was able to do that for me. 
Um, they moved into things like changing out charging handles and upgrading the bolt carrier, stuff that wasn't necessarily essential, but just modifications and upgrades to the rifle. You know, when you start getting into this stuff, it's kind of neat being able to change out parts to try and get what you want tailor fit to how you want it. Um, and in that regard, uh, some firearms are really, really great for that. AR-15s are great for that because there's tons of companies out there making tons of parts for them, just like Glocks, just like MMPs and SIGs. Okay. Um, but yeah, jump forward. And then, uh, for a birthday gift, um, my wife got me a upper receiver, a 10.5 inch upper receiver that I had asked for off of a uh, palmetto state armory.com. And then I think I ordered the lower for myself and I want to, that was my first, my, uh, my AR pistol. Um, which again is my 11.5. Now I swapped out the barrel. <laughs> Uh, because I had bought a handguard that was a little bit too long and I really liked it. So I made the dumb decision of spending an additional $120. Um, and had the shop order me a Roscoe bloodline barrel, uh, an 11.5. So it stuck out just a little bit further for me and was what I wanted. Um, and again, getting to back to the point of, you know, why, um, and what, and what to consider. If you want to have one of these in your vehicle traveling with you, a pistol, an AR pistol, I'm sorry, makes a lot more sense because an AR pistol obviously falls under pistol rules. Uh, for those of you that don't own a rifle or are looking at getting a rifle, rifles cannot, at least here in the state of Michigan, and I'm not tremendous, I'm not aware of, uh, I'm not of any other states that are different than this, honestly. Um, you can't transport it loaded, right? You have to unload the rifle and it has to be, uh, it has to travel away from the ammunition in the vehicle. Pistols, however, because, you know, obviously you have a, if you have your CPL, I mean, let me put a little asterisk comment on that. If you have your CPL, pistols can obviously be transported, loaded, and carried on your person, near your person, whatever in the vehicle. So an AR pistol falls under those rules. Um, you can have a shorter barrel because there's not barrel length restrictions on, on pistols, making this a more, uh, I don't want to say concealable because it's still pretty large, but a more compact uh, weapon that's good for defensive purposes, right? The 5.56 round is a good round for, def for uh, defensive shooting. You can hold uh, 30 rounds in that magazine. Even if you go with a little shorter one, because you do want to be able to stow it a little easier, 20 rounds is way better than the 7 rounds of 9mm. Um, also, and if you live out in the country, this is, you know, it's good for varmints and stuff like that. But, uh, if you need to reach out, if you live in, if you live someplace where you're more out in the open, if you're in the country or something, five, five, six travels a lot farther, a lot faster. It's designed to be shot over a distance. It's a designed as a rifle cartridge, right? Um, now don't go, I would not go any shorter than 10.5 on your barrel length. Uh, we shared some stuff online, but long story short, you start to lose your ballistic performance. The round doesn't tumble quite the, the, the way it's supposed to with uh, a shorter barrel than 10.5. Um, the sweet spot, personally, in my opinion, is somewhere between 11 and a half and 12 and a half inches. Um, 14 and a half isn't bad either. Obviously, uh, the longer the barrel, you get a little better accuracy, but it just it gets kind of unwieldy after 16 inches. Um, so right tool for the right job, truthfully, but, 
Um, with my pistol, I got a uh, law tactical folder put on it. So my buffer tube and brace actually fold up alongside of it, making it fairly compact. Um, and that was, uh, there's a, there's a cool factor. I mean, obviously to all this stuff, uh, but if I ever was concerned about, you know, wanting to have something like that in my vehicle with me, because it is a pistol with a pistol brace legally, I'm covered. Okay. Um, and if you want to carry something like this around in, in your vehicle, like I said, if you live out in the country or something and you're concerned for whatever reason, whether it's personal defense or varmint shooting, um, according to the law, you can't have an actual rifle, uh, loaded in the vehicle. So the pistol provides uh, a good alternative solution to, if you don't want to get a tax stamp for a short barrel rifle, um, and stuff like that. Um, that was, yeah, it was a while ago. I spent a lot of time just putting money into those other handguns I'd bought over time. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even remember when I picked them up. Um, actually this might've been in the right amount of time after I got my AR pistol, I think, uh, the next one I had picked up was a Canik. That's C-A-N-I-K, Canik. They're or Yannick, Janik or something. They're, they're Turkish. I don't know how you pronounce it. Everyone's got a different way of pronouncing it. Anyways, um, I picked up a, a Canik TP9SF Elite, which is a total mouthful. But um, my reasoning behind picking this up was because at the time I, you know, was watching all these videos and stuff online and noticing everybody was going for that Glock 19 package, right? Uh, the CZP10C had just come out. Um, you know, obviously the Glock 19 was out. The M&P 2.0 compact was getting ready to release. And that was all the new hotness and stuff. The P320, um, that 15 round nine millimeter, like package. So I, you know, I'm looking around and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money. So I, I had found this and it had hit a lot of the, the marks I really wanted. Right. Um, it came with blacked out rear sights and a tritium front sight or sorry, fiber optic front sight. The slide had front slide serrations in it already. Uh, it had a good, uh, a good trigger. And it really does honestly for a $400 gun. You guys, I, I don't know that you're going to find anything better out of the box. It's a fantastic trigger. Um, and the magazines were easy to come by. They were like, they're like 20, 25 bucks, super cheap magazines. So I, I bought, I bought the Canik TP nine SF elite with the intent that I was going to try and carry it in the winter. Um, I did it a couple of times and it ended up being way too heavy for me for what I like to carry, uh, in the waistband. Um, and eventually I just, you know, I'm one of those people, I want what I want. And sometimes I make a bad decision and buy something that's not what I want in hopes that that'll kind of kill the desire for what I really wanted. Um, inevitably, uh, we ended up doing a home remodel project and my part of the project was, uh, listen, you get your whole new, your whole new kitchen and you get all your appliances and new floors in the house. I want to go get a Glock. Um, and I ended up ordering uh, a Glock 19, a Gen 4, because at the time you just you couldn't get the Gen 5. It was so popular. I got a, a Gen 4 Glock 19 MOS, and I went out and I bought um, suppressor height sights, blacked out suppressor height sights, because uh, if you're looking through a red dot, right, an optic, whatever, on a pistol slide, you don't want that fiber optic from the front sight to get, to confuse your brain, right? Under stress with the dot you're actually seeing, um, through the lens. So I got a blacked out front and rears. I threw a $20, uh, Magpul Magwell 
on the bottom of the grip, which is great for the money. Honestly, it does a great job. And I picked up a Vortex Venom for like 250 bucks and threw that on there. And that was pretty much how I rocked it for a while through a Streamlight TLR1 tactical light on there. Um, and I recommend those, by the way, too, if you're looking for a pistol light on a full-size gun. Um, Surefire is great. Uh, Streamlight is about half the price. And in my experience, gives um, almost as good a performance. Uh, Durability-wise, might not be quite there, but uh, solid product from Streamlight, honestly. Um, I did, between the Canic and the Glock, end up for whatever reason, I, I bought a uh, 1911, right? America's pistol. And that was more just like on a whim. Um, I got a cheapo Rock Island. I want to say it was like 450 bucks. And I had shopped around. Um, I kind of wanted the beaver tail that was uh, like flourished a little bit up at the end. I didn't want just the standard GI model. I wanted like a skeletonized trigger and hammer. Um, and that was just for my price point. Rock Island was the best I could do. Uh, my local gun shop here... Um, one of the other local ones I went into uh, had actually told me that they wouldn't order it for me or if they did order it, they wouldn't get any kind of warranty with it because they're just not a good 1911 and they want to try and sell me on an $800 used uh, Remington. And um, that just, it was, it was like double my budget almost. I just, at the time just wasn't going to do it. Um, and I think I've only shot that 1911 like twice. It's nice to have. Um, my dad really enjoys shooting it. He's shot it probably more than me. Um, you know, uh, I feel like if you're an American gun owner, you should just have one just for nostalgia's sake. Uh, but they're cool guns. They're just super heavy, low capacity. Um, but I own one, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, I don't, I like the platform. It's just, they're not that, uh, reliable. The expensive ones you see on today's market because they try to close up tolerances and stuff and it ends up causing more issues than they're worth. Um, Kimber 1911s are great looking guns. Um, performance wise, uh, to all just like reliability and everything, just not, not quite as good as the other alternatives out there like Glock, for instance. Um, but anyways, getting back to the Glock, uh, the Glock 19 that kind of hung out for a while the way it was, I ended up putting a ghost trigger kit in that just to lighten the trigger a little bit. Um, and eventually I caved in and I did upgrade the optic. Um, I wish I would have waited and not dropped the 250 bucks on the Vortex Venom and just waited and saved a little bit more. I wound up getting a, uh, Trigicon RMR type two, um, to go on it, uh, for about 400 bucks or 500 bucks really, really nice. It's the auto adjusting version. So depending, it'll get brighter as you go into darker rooms and it'll, or, or I'm sorry, it'll get dimmer as you go into darker rooms. So it doesn't wash out your, your lens. Um, and kind of like blind you a little bit when you're in the dark and it'll get super bright when you're in bright rooms or outside. Um, people have their preferences on the manual adjustment or the auto adjust. I, I got the auto adjust. I'm happy with it. I really like it. The one thing I will say for people buying any of these optics ready pistols um, is be weary of the mounting plates that come with them. I know the Glock MOS plates are like stamped aluminum. And if you look up any of the Sage Dynamics videos, Aaron Cowan and Sage Dynamics on YouTube, he talks a lot about the Glock MOS plates um, and how they are pieces of shit. Uh, they'll crack, they warp, they break, they shatter. Um, you know, the last thing you want after dropping 
200, 250, 500, whatever dollars on one of these pistol optics is to have it come flying off the gun while you're shooting um, because your plate is a piece of crap that Glock engineered like shit. Um, I think CNP Precision is the plate I have on there now. It kind of fills in the gaps between the slide and the optic itself. Um, and it's made, it's just a, it's a way better product. And honestly, for like the 65 bucks I spent on it, it's totally worth the peace of mind knowing that my optic's going to be secure on the slide of the gun. Um, it just, it's worth it. Uh, and that way it's going to hold a better zero for you. Um, and like, and while well, granted Trigicon and a lot of those companies have lifetime warranties, you just, you don't want to have to go through that if you don't have to, right. You don't want to be without an optic for three, four or five weeks while you mail it out, have them do their evaluation and send you a replacement model. And then you got to put it back on and then you got to re-zero it. Like just avoid the headache and the grief and spend a little bit extra money get the quality part to make it work the right way. Um, and that, uh, I think the beginning of this year, um, I, the last handgun I bought was, uh, my Glock 43 X. Uh, and I recommend that to anybody that asks, uh, given the options we have out on the market today with capacity and things, um, 10 rounds plus one on the Glock 43 X pretty decent, uh, shorter barrel. So it's a little more concealable, a little bit longer grip, uh, but it's a wider grip. Um, so for me, both of those were better cause I have huge hands. So those are both huge pluses for me. Um, the 43 X and the Glock 48 are the same gun. The 48 just has the longer slide. I didn't go with the 48 only because uh, at that point I'm only like a, a marginal difference in between that and c- carrying my Glock 19. And I wanted something for dedicated concealed carry. So I went with the 43 X um, and then I think, uh, the only real upgrades I did to it, I got the, uh, for like 50 bucks online, a set of the, uh, Ameriglo brand Hackathorn sites for the Glock 43, 43X, 48, it's all the same size. Um, and put those on, uh, I have a site pusher tool now, so I have to take it to a gunsmith, <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's a blacked out rear. And the nice part about that is it's like a nice bright orange tritium dot um, with a green center. So whether it's bright out or dark out, you have an illuminated front sight post and blacked out rears. Um, and then I upgraded the magazine release button to a metal one. And that was because, uh, prior to me making the purchase, a company called shield arms came out with a metal magazine for the 43 X and 43, eight, because it's metal, not like the polymer that Glock uses that increased the capacity. So it went from a 10 plus one gun in a concealed carry package to a 15 plus one. So think about that. That's Glock 19 capacity. And they also sell um, five round extensions that can go on it. Now I wouldn't carry the extended mag just because it's going to print. It's going to be way too big for my taste personally. But uh, as a backup magazine, that's 20 rounds backup plus 16 in the gun makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, if you are looking for a concealed carry gun right now, here's my list of what I recommend to people. The Glock 43X or 48, depending on what you want. The SIG P365. Because uh, the 365 with the standard magazines, are it's 12 plus 1. It's a tiny gun. Uh, very concealable. They've worked out all of their uh, issues with that gun. Sam loves his. Came from the factory with night sights on it. 
You can't beat it. And it's got tons of aftermarket support. You can get an extended magazine for that that holds 15 rounds as well. It's awesome. I think they have an X, uh, 365 XL, which again is just a longer slide, a little bit longer grip, I think. I don't know if it actually changes your capacity, though. It might just be a little bit easier to shoot. Um, I do not recommend the Springfield Hellcat, which I think is like a 14 plus one. Uh, it's kind of falls between the 43X and the 365 if you're looking at size, just because as a rule, I don't recommend Springfield products. Um, me personally. Yes, my wife owns one and carries one because that's what she really, really wanted. I was against it from day one, but I wasn't the one buying it. Uh, they just have reliability and quality issues, in my opinion. Um, I've heard a lot of stories about pins backing out and stuff like that. I just, I'll never own one. Uh, and I won't ever in good conscience recommend one to anybody else. Um, but if you're truly looking for something outside of the 365 or the Glock, uh, 43 X and 43, eight, or 43 X and 48. I'm sorry. Um, definitely look at the Smith and Wesson M and P shield, either the first gen or second gen, both are great. Um, the only difference really is the grip texture. The triggers slightly different. Uh, and that's only in mechanics, not in the aesthetics. Uh, but the shield did not have the problems that the full size first gen did with barrels or anything like that. So you can find those real cheap right now, or used to be able to for like 300 bucks. Um, or the standard Glock 43, uh, it's a little bit lower on the capacity end of things. Yeah. But, uh, there's a lot of aftermarket support for it. You can get sites cheaper. You can get magazines and magazine extensions cheaper. Um, I really, really do recommend, uh, for concealed carry. Those are, those are the ones I send people to. There's other stuff out there. Um, that some of them are gaining a little more traction and stuff. I don't have a ton of experience with them, so I don't recommend them. Um, you know, as like I was saying earlier, uh, this episode, Jake carries a Kimber micro nine. He really likes it again, personally, not my cup of tea. Um, everyone's going to have their preferences based on their experiences. So don't just ask one person what they think. Cause one person could be carrying a, a Smith and Wesson J frame revolver their whole life and have, they just love it. Well, that might not be the best for you. Maybe you're not as experienced of a shooter or you're a smaller framed person or whatever. Um, check out some different sources for your information when you're doing your research. If you can, um, I hate this answer when people ask online, uh, but if you can go to your local gun range and rent some firearms, um, to try out first, uh, why I hate it is because typically people are on a budget. I don't know too many people that can just throw away money, but you go to a range, um, they're going to charge you 15 or $20, probably more right now for ammunition. They're going to charge you 15 or $20 for the range time. So you're already at 30 or 40 bucks plus a rental fee for the handgun, which is going to be 15 or $20. So you're, you're looking at like, uh, $45 to $60 plus tax, maybe more, uh, to rent a handgun. Um, and when you rent the handgun, you have to use their ammo. You can't bring your, your own ammo. They don't want you putting remanufactured stuff or whatever through their guns. Um, so it gets expensive. So do as much research as you can. Um, then maybe hit the range and try renting one and checking it out if you can afford it. Or if you have a friend that has one, you know, go check theirs out. And if it's not too, you know, tricked out the special trigger or anything crazy, you get a better idea of what it's like. Um, I will say Glock 17, 45, 19, 
like the larger size guns, those are all pretty similar um, mechanically. So it's just grip size that's a little bit different. Barrel length makes a little bit, a little difference, but uh, you kind of get the idea with those. Um, and yeah, the last one, uh, my last, my most recent firearms purchase uh, to talk about was uh, for hunting. Now, I don't think too many people are buying hunting rifles right now because self-defense and riding is the real concern in the country. Um, but for me being covered so well on my other bases, um, I went out and bought a hunting rifle cause I want to start hunting. Uh, and, I uh, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I knew I wanted to steer away from the budget line rifles, like the, um, Savage Axis, the Mossberg Patriot, the, uh, Remington 783, those like $350, 300 or $350, uh, budget beginner rifles. I wanted to buy something that would last me the next 20 years, you know, buy once, cry once situation. Um, I had talked to Sam, he had just bought his, uh, he had dropped a a fair bit of money. Um, and I knew I didn't want to go that route necessarily, but I wanted to get something quality. Um, one of the things that he stressed with Christensen arms was that they have a sub MOA guarantee on their barrels. I said, well, that's, that's pretty cool. I just don't know if I can afford that. And, um, I was kind of defeated I'm like, all right, well, you know, I just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll keep looking and I'll try and make the, the best of my budget work for what I'm looking for. You know, you sacrifice a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, I wound up finding the, uh, the Weatherby Vanguard series. Uh, and, um, my only experience or knowledge of Weatherby really up to that point had been, this is going to sound so terrible. The Tremors three movie, um, where the Burt Gummer character tells the the con man or the one who's running like the Graboid tours to grab your Weatherby and follow me. And he goes, what? He goes, your Weatherby, your rifle, and it, it's a prop gun. Um, but Weatherby's been around for a long time, and I, um, you know, aware of their existence and stuff, looked into it. And they actually have a sub-MOE guarantee at 100 yards uh, on their barrels as long as you're using factory ammunition. Factory or premium, I should say, uh, ammunition. So that's pretty good. And, uh, the price point for what I was looking at was, uh, between six and 700 bucks. And that hit the nail right on the head. I wound up going to one of the gun stores that's in the area. It's been around for a little while. Made my first purchase through, uh, those guys, um, had a good experience when it came in. Uh, it actually wasn't what I ordered. It was the model that was like 50 or 75 bucks more expensive, but because the their supplier made the error, not them, I got the nicer gun uh, at the lower price point. So I was pretty happy with that. And now I'm kind of just looking through, um, you know, what I want to buy for optics and stuff. But, uh, but that's me. That's what I got, guys, um, as far as my my firearms purchasing history and why I made what decisions and stuff. Uh, so hopefully for those of you that are out there right now, going through this, uh, trying to buy your first gun. Hopefully this helps you. Um, as I think about this, uh, I wish I had known what I know now then it's the beauty of hindsight, or I wish I'd even had somebody to, uh, to reach out to, to discuss this stuff when I was first getting started. Um, about halfway through, the story I just went, you know, through, uh, I started is when I really reconnected with Sam and we got to be, uh, you know, just discussing this stuff and it became easier cause you have somebody with more knowledge to bounce ideas off of and everything. Um, and granted we, we buy different things for different reasons, but, uh, it just, um, 
it makes it a little bit easier because uh, p- other people will have different viewpoints and different insight. So don't take one person's word for it or one source's word for it. Um, but if I, I do, I hope this has been helpful and I hope, uh, any of you guys out there listening that are thinking about moving towards concealed carry that are thinking about, uh, you know, buying a first gun or a second gun or something like that. I hope this was helpful for you guys. That's all I got. Uh, we are working on some more content. We're working on pushing things out through the Facebook and Instagram pages, especially. So stay tuned for more of that and, uh, let your friends know guys, we're really trying to get the numbers up. Uh, hopefully, like I said before, we're going to maybe look into this, maybe some sponsorship opportunities. We've been contacted by a couple places. Um, the, those we really didn't, uh, pursue for different reasons. Uh, but I think we're kind of getting to the point where maybe that's going to be, uh, something that we really put some more effort and resources into in the future, especially looking at 2021 until next time, you guys get out there, train, be prepared.